0: Then David said to himself, Now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. There is nothing better for me than escape from the land of the Philistines. <coughs> Saul then will despair for searching for me anymore in all the territory of Israel, and I will escape from his hand. So David arose and crossed over he and six hundred men who were with him, to Achish the son of Maok, the Ma- son of, Ma- of Gath. And David lived with Achish at Gath, he and his men, each with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinoam, the uh, Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's, uh, Nabal's widow. Now was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he no, no, no longer searched for him. Then David said to Achish, If now I have found favor in your sight, uh, let me give me, a, 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 let them give me a place in one of the cities in the country, that I may live there. For why should your servant live in the royal city with you? So Agish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore Ziklag had belonged to the kings of Judah to this day. The number of days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months.
1: Now, who does David seem to be consulting with here? Himself. Himself. Who should he be consulting with? (laughs) Yes. You do not read here about David requesting the ephod or him praying or him seeking spiritual counsel. He says to himself, and what does he say to himself? I am about to perish. He ever said that before?
2: Remember
1: that back in chapter 20? There's only a step between me and death. And what's our evaluation of his thinking right here? lack of faith, is it true he's going to perish one day at the hand of Saul? Should he have known that he won't perish one day at the hand of Saul? He is the anointed one. He has not yet received the fulfillment of that. God has promised him the throne. How could Saul kill him before he becomes king? Furthermore, were it God's will that Saul kill him, he would want that is that if it's not God's will that Saul kill him, Saul won't kill him. So he's really not trusting the Lord. He's looking at things from a human perspective. From a human perspective, would we say, Saul's gonna get him one of these days? I think so. He's come pretty close several times. So you can see from a, from a man-centered standpoint, absolutely. But if you have trust and faith in God and his promises, then you would not think that. And that's, I think, what you've got in this situation. He's thinking more from the human perspective. So what does he decide to do? Flee to the line of the Philistines. Have we ever seen that before? (laughs) Yeah, when he fled to Gath back in chapter 21. flees to Gath again. Didn't work out too well the time before when he fled to Gath. It's been some time back. Remember what he had to do to get out of that one? Yeah. Act crazy, slobber into his beard and scribble on the wall and act like he was a madman. And, uh, you know, Akish decided he had plenty of those, didn't need another one, and drove him out. But this time, Akish accepts him. Wonder what the difference is. He has, him, right? Say he, has him, he has his men with him. I don't think that's the only difference. Is this the
3: same, Akish?
1: Might not be the same Achish, that's a throne name, but it's the same role, it's the head of Gath. It could be a political
4: maybe. If he thought that David would
1: eventually assume the throne, then no, no, That might even hurt David if that's what he thought was. He's
4: a more established
1: enemy of Saul. He's a more established enemy of Saul. Take it. He's not acting mad. <laughs> well, yeah, but he acted bad before, so he could get out of it. I think... Now, nobody sees David as a with Saul, before even the priest thought, you know, he would be on a top secret mission for Saul. The rupture between Saul and David is now clear. Saul's been chasing David all over the country. This is kind of on the principle of, my enemy's enemy must be my friend. You know, Saul's the king of the Philistines enemy. David is an enemy of Saul, therefore David must be okay now, he must be pro-Philistine. I think that's the concept that the Philistines have, they accept him because his reputation as an outcast of Saul is well established, they assume he really is pro-Philistine, they would assume that he would really want to take vengeance against Saul, wouldn't anybody under these circumstances from a human perspective. You see that concept? So he is basically defecting to the Philistines, requesting asylum. That is granted for him and his men. And David requests one thing of Achish, which is? Yeah, could I have a place for me and my men to go? One of the cities. And Achish gives him Ziklag. Perfect. Ziklag was on the Judah side of Gath a perfect place where David and his men can stay and where they can more or less avoid Achish's surveillance. Achish won't really know other than for David, re- David's reports what's going on there and what he's doing. Now we'll have to read the next section to understand that a little bit better. But to this point, David has left Israel, sought asylum with the Philistines given a city for him and his men on the outskirts of Gath Ziklag. Comments and questions? Alright, look at what happens. Yes? Do think you put him on the outskirts because they thought if he was too close to the center that he would just, what, try to overtake you
2: or something?
1: No, I don't think so. I think it's just a place they've got for him to live. You know, probably a city that uh, was more available. Something closer in perhaps would be more sought after by Philistines. I don't know. But I don't think it has anything to do with the strategy of fearing David because they don't seem to fear David. They seem to see him as an ally. Yes, Chad? We see some of David's poor decisions maybe based on Samuel's death. Maybe, but it seems just like chapter 21 before Samuel died. I think the pressure and stress of Saul chasing him, every once in a while, he quits looking at God and starts looking at the wind and the waves. Whenever we take our focus off of the Lord and we look at the crisis, it's tempting to take matters into our own hands and do something not right to try to protect ourselves.
4: Tyler. I it's interesting to note the character of
0: David, you know, especially in the past few chapters. We, we almost see him... Being, some people would say, a little bit wishy-washy. We see him as being really strong spiritually one minute when he's dealing with Saul. We see him <laughs> almost weak, you know, when he doesn't consult God, moving off the Philistines. And I think it mirrors kind of maybe the way we are sometimes. Just the idea that we have times when you know, we rely on God, we can be very, very, very spiritual, very focused. But then, you know when we forget it's it's an emphasis that we need to live a life of faith in general and we need to be
1: constantly seeking to grow in that respect it's exactly what you see in David and it is what you see in us and David has time periods of great faith (laughs) and he has time periods where he does not do well and uh, I think we learn from that. I think we see that in our own lives. Just because David is very strong at one moment <laughs> doesn't automatically guarantee him strength and consistency in other moments.
4: Yeah, Steve. It still amazes me that Aegis is just willing to give a city to an Israelite. I don't know if, it, if God like gave him more favor. I remember like Daniel and others who gained favor on the side of the officials, and God gave them that favor. I don't know. It just seems
1: really backwards because it's like, oh, yeah, here's a city, you know? Well, but um, we would treat um, a defector from our enemy, especially one who's been well known as a dissident, with great faith. You know, my illustrations are way way chronologically not coinciding with uh, you guys' age. But, you know, I mean, I think Solzhenitsyn defected or whatever, but we would have certainly you know, given him whatever he wanted. He was clearly you know, anti-Russian and, and so forth by what he'd written, and, and we favored him. You know, if, if, I don't know any current ones, but, but we, would, we would do that, that kind of a thing. So I think, I mean, Saul's been chasing David everywhere. David is, is anti-Saul. It's not so true, but it's what it looks like since Saul's anti-David. And so, you know, this is, this to, to the Philistines, he's anti-Israelite. You know, he's, he's now uh, a defector, and, and I think they want to, you know, be allied with him. He's got some men, he's got some ability to help them. Now, Achish may be a little naive, too. I think we'll see that a little later on. Uh, he may be more ingenuous even than some of the other Philistine lords. Austin.
3: Doesn't it seem too though, back in the previous chapter where David does make the statement of go and serve, these other gods, that David is David is already setting himself up to be
1: here again. I think he was. Yes. Good point. Uh, Jake?
4: Uh, I've heard it said of David here, or uh, Ruth's uh, in-laws, um, uh, the, those people, um, that like, you weren't supposed to leave Israel Like in times of hard times or famine. It was a sign of faithfulness to leave the boundaries <coughs> of what God had given you. Is there a verse that kind of points to that? Does that sound
1: familiar as people say that? Yeah, I might say that too. Um, I I guess the thing we shouldn't do is make a covenant or an alliance with people in other nations or see them as the ones to protect us, sustain us, take care of us, etc. So when we kind of look to other nations to take care of us in a crisis, it's a lack of dependence on God. That's probably the way I would look at that, I don't know somebody got a better comment other thoughts i want you to see what happens here because really this this uh, helps us see the context better eight to twelve now david and his men went up and raided the
4: geshurites and the gerzites and the Emlekites, for they were the inhabitants of the land from ancient times as you come to sure, even as far as the land of Egypt. <coughs> David attacked the land and did not leave a man or a woman alive. And he took away the, the sheep, the cattle, the donkeys, and the camels, and the clothing. Then he returned and came to uh, Achish. Now Achish said, Where have you made a raid today? And David <coughs> said against the Negev of the Negev of Judah and against the Negev of the uh, Jeremelites and against the Negev of the Kenites. David did not leave a man or a woman alive to bring to Gath, saying, Otherwise they will tell about us, saying, So has David done and so has David been, so has been his practice all the time he has lived in the country of the Philistines. So Achish believed David saying, he has surely made himself Adias among his people, Israel. Therefore, he will become my servant forever.
1: All right. Now, this shows you what David was doing during this year and four months, he and his men in Ziklag. They were going up and making raids against... Philistines. Not Philistines against what kind of people? Yeah, against the enemies of Israel. But when they would make a raid against enemies of Israel, what would they always be sure and do? Kill everybody. Why? No witnesses as to what was really happening. Because when David would come back, and report to Akish, what would he say?
4: You've <coughs> gone against the Israelites.
1: Yes, I made a raid right against these <laughs> Israelites or these friends of Israelites, etc. So, uh, what is David doing here? Lying. Lying. Yes, for a year and four months, he's uh, living <laughs> a double lie. This probably took a little doing. <laughs> You know, he's got to conceal that he's actually raiding Israel's enemies and pass this off to Akish that he's making raids against Israel and their friends, making Akish think he is burning his bridges. There's no way he's going to come back and become an Israelite again uh, because he's now made himself. Well, as Achish said in verse 12, he's made himself stink <laughs> among his people, Israel. They would never have him back. So, for Achish, he thinks he has definitively alienated himself from his own people, the Israelites. Cameron? In verse 8,
4: he says, it says that he, he attacked the Amalekites. I thought Saul liked them out except for one man, which Samuel later left
1: you thought wrong. <laughs> now, we said that, and I think this is the best way to explain all this. The Amalekites seem to have been kind of tribal people, nomadic uh, herdsmen, and, and the, there were different groups of Amalekites. So Saul was sent to wipe out one group. That still left other groups around. We'll see Amalekites from time to time. I think that's the best explanation. Jacob? Wood. Akish have thought it weird that random cities were uh, disappearing? <laughs> yeah. G- did you hear his question? When Akish think it weird that random cities were sort of disappearing. I, I don't know that Akish would have known. You know, I mean, the internet wasn't working well back then. Uh, you know, uh, maybe he didn't have a good, you know, uh, informant network. I still, you wonder, but evidently he doesn't. I mean, you know, he's just hes just the king of one, you know, Philistine city-state, so he may not be doing a lot of investigating. But you'd still think, I don't know, I'd be worried sooner or later. I mean, how long can you keep up these things? I mean, you know, you, you read of these kind of double life, secret agent things going on for a while, but eventually, you know, you get more and more exposed. I'll well, and if
3: he's lying this long, He's lying to himself as well, and and he can just change the story. Well, no, the Israelites have done that, and I mean, he, he could just flip-flop any, any direction that he wants. He's, he's sort of this neutral Switzerland right now that, that can just take the side of the best team that's winning.
1: Yeah, good point. Yeah, if you're not concerned about the truth, then spin this whatever way makes it seem plausible. Yeah, G.R.
4: I have a little hard time balancing. Uh, probably like everybody, David's back and forth here that, you know, it's not just him that's keeping this secret. He's got 600 men. And try to keep a secret within six people and, and see how that works out for you. So David's got a lot of influence with these 600 people.
1: Yes, he does, though, if any of them squeals, they're toast. So, I mean, that helps. You know, because, I mean, they're in Achish's territory. The Philistines fight against David, they're all... You know, done for. So I think that helps. Um, but as far as David's ups and downs, I mean, yes. Wow. David sometimes it's just so troubling. I mean, he's so, so strong, so dependent on the Lord and all that in a, in a period of time. And then, I mean, wow. how could David be doing these things? And, and I think we look at ourselves and we've got to recognize how vulnerable we are. I mean, have you ever as a Christian lived a double life? Have you ever, as a Christian, just been lying, maybe to yourself and to others, and really, really, I mean, maybe you've been faithful, really, conscientious for a while, and then you go through a period? Well, you're really not. But you're trying to put on the front, you're putting on the act, you're making everybody still think you're okay. But you, if you were honest with yourself, you know you're not where you ought to be. You know, I think that happens. It happens in a troubling number of cases. And I think David's in the same situation. I mean, somehow or other, we numb ourselves. You start getting away from the Lord, and you start lying like this. I mean, your whole focus is on how to, you know, keep yourself from getting caught. Your focus isn't on what's the Lord thinking about me. You, you, you're putting all your energy into getting this done right. I, I don't know, but I, I think, for me, I could, I could see that happening. Uh, but it is, really. It's bad, Mike.
2: It I I like it's not that David was always a perfect person, that wasn't why he was a man after God so hard. It, it was his ability to see what he was wrong and no matter even what he did as did. When, uh, when Abigail is coming to him saying, I'm sorry he recognized uh, well, okay, that's good, I shouldn't have done that, you know. I'm glad the Lord was there. When Nathan comes to him later on you know, he gets upset at these at the story he tells him. Well he shouldn't have done that. It's that that man is you, and he, he mourns and is upset. And as bad as stuff he does and as easy as he could put it off, as great as he was, he always seems to have that heart of wanting to repent and, and be sorry. Good point. Jacob? Um, it's just really
3: encouraging to me to see that David messes up, too. Because sometimes I feel like there's no way I could ever be as righteous as Paul or like be like David or be like Paul because they were just so good but to see that they messed up too and they fell short of the glory of God as well is really encouraging
1: yes uh, I mean it, David recovers David's able to turn back to the Lord it's a really bad period and, and there's going to be some really serious consequences but David is again useful to the Lord I mean there's many great things he does after this there is hope even after a double lock yes yeah.
2: I think it's really strange um, that throughout this entire period of David's life, he's basically living a lie, but yet still having so much success in battle. Um, and usually when someone was throughout a, a longer period of their life, and they're, if they're in sin, then God departs from them, and they will just ultimately fail in battle. And I'm sure that he was going against you know strong, stronger people like the... Amalekites and, and all of these different nations, but was still having success. What do you have to say about that?
1: Success does not prove that God approves of our actions. I, I think that's an important principle, in fact. I think it's tempting for us to say, things are going well and so I must be doing what's right. I always forget where to find this. And uh, sometimes I find Yeah, here we go. Find it on the place on the page. Hosea 12.8. Ibrahim said, surely I've become rich. i found wealth for myself. In all my labors they will find in me no iniquity which would be sin. I'm rich, therefore I'm right. You know, I've been successful, therefore I must not be doing anything wrong. No. There's all kinds of examples in the Bible of people who were successful and what they did was wrong. Doesn't mean they are ultimately successful. God has a judgment day and sometimes he has days... Before the final judgment day, but it means you cannot say success proves that I'm okay. Never, we couldn't say that. that
0: I think it's a pretty impressive charade that David's got going here, um, and it seems really far-fetched. You know, I think unless somehow the Lord is keeping this thing together in some way, protecting and even delivering David from himself in a lot of ways from this plan that he has. And I just thank God that he, uh, the Lord, helps us out and delivers us even from things that, and times, that we're not on his
1: side completely. Yeah, perhaps, although, I mean, there's modern examples of some pretty elaborate schemes that people can to survive with for a good while. It does, usually, those things catch up to you sooner or later, but it's not always sooner. But, Is David for sure doing this for himself? I mean, well, I mean, he think he's trying to protect his own skin... Of course, he wants to fight against an enemy of Judah. That's what I'm
3: saying. Is he he fighting his people? I mean, I don't know. That's what I thought we
4: were saying, was that he was fighting his people, getting all these possessions for himself.
1: No, I don't know that that's so much yet, but he is trying to say to Akish, I'm fighting Judah. But what he's really doing are the things he would want to do fighting the enemies of Judah. I mean, if there's a sense in which. David is very uh, successful, and we might even say wise in what he's doing. Look, look at this. I mean, by, by raiding these enemies of Judah, he's getting spoiled. It's providing for the needs of his followers, and we've already seen that's a constant stress for him. And he's probably building up a base of support among his people even stronger. He, he's fighting their enemies, even as a Philistine, while Saul is not. So he is continuing to more and more be the Israelite protector. From a strategic human perspective, David Sharp here, this is really, this is being highly successful. But anything that appears successful that's not done God's way isn't right and usually doesn't have long-term success. there are usually ultimate consequences, certainly going to be here. You know, we have this, this terrible habit of, of evaluating everything after a month. If it's gone well for a month, then it must be right. But, but, you know, what about a year later, two years later, five or 10 years later? I mean, and so this is gonna blow up in David's face really badly, but for a while it goes really well. And, and it almost looks like David is very zealous for God. He's raiding all these enemies of God's people. I mean, he's the defender of God's people. It's kind of one of these false zeal for God things. Sometimes, as long as we're doing things that have good consequences, we think any wrong means is justified. Well, I'm lying, but I'm doing it for God. You know, or whatever. But God's kingdom should never be promoted by unworthy means. God wants his kingdom to be pure thoughts.
3: That's so a lot like the uh, hypothetical argument in Romans 3 and the conclusion to that, no, their condemnation is just to do
1: And that's I mean, not obvious principle that we do see. Yes. Good point. I agree. Other thoughts? Uh, I guess I'm
2: wondering, what exactly is David doing wrong by what he's saying? Because he's never said, oh, I'm going against, you know, the Ephraim or Benjamin or Judah, he said, you know, I went to the area of this place. And maybe he's, you know, is it, is it wrong that he is taking out the enemies that they should have taken out a long time ago? Is, I guess I'm wondering where exactly he's, what is he doing that's wrong or even that's, he's just not giving him information.
1: I think it's lying. I mean, I don't think he was doing what he was saying he was doing. He, I think what he's saying essentially is I'm fighting against Judah and Judah's friends and he's not. He's fighting against their enemies. So I really consider this to be a lie.
3: Thank yeah, you. and it's like he's not specific enough to get away with it. I mean, really good liars know when to include details and when not to include details so and allow for wiggle room.
1: Yeah. So. I mean, he's getting away with it from Achish. Achish is believing. Achish, Achish is swallowing the line. But he's not getting away with it from the Lord. Awesome.
3: Well, well, and it goes back to the, that end statement. He has made himself odious against the Israelites. So so regardless of how David's lying or not, David is making people believe that he is against Israel, which yes. he is not. Yes. He
1: is
4: Israel.
1: Yes. So, yes, that's exactly right. He is... At the very least, he is extremely deceiving Achish. I think he's probably just lying. Well, and along with
3: that, to be against Israel is to be against God. Yes. And, and again, he, that, that is the ultimate sin.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't want to leave people with the impression that you're against God's people. That would be wrong. He's also perhaps un- improperly cruel in wiping them out completely. There may be some question mark about that, Jason.
3: Well, even if there is a little bit of truth in what he's saying, he's not saying a complete lie, it all goes back to a lack of faith and a lack of trust in God. And that's the reason that he's somewhat misleading these people, or all the way misleading. You know, he, he does not have the faith and the trust in God that, that you would expect of him. That's
1: absolutely true. Yes. Good question. Uh,
4: Jake. Not to take away from the, the fact that he's lying and doing wrong with this, But are we to see this also as David uh, improperly, but fulfilling what should have been done in the times of the judges, fulfilling what should have been done by Saul already, um, and kind of being the king,
1: he's not yet doing it in wrong ways, but wiping out the Canaanites? I don't know about that. But I think fighting against their enemies, yes, wiping them out, I'm not sure if we should see that as a proper fulfillment of the extermination of the Canaanites. I mean, God said when they failed to exterminate them that he was going to leave them there to be thorns in in their side and so forth. So I don't know. Look at what happens. Now, it came about in those days, chapter 28, that the Philistines gathered their armed camps for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, Know assuredly that you will go out with me in the camp, you and your men. David said to Achish, Very well, you shall know what your servant can do. So Achish said to David, Very well, I will make you my bodyguard for life. Do you see what's going on right here? Major... Coordinated Philistine offensive against Israel. All five city state kings are going to join their forces together and have this, you know, massive massacre of Israel. And, well, what does Achish say to David? I would you right next to David. You can join us. You'll love this because we're going to wipe them out, David. He's saying that totally sincerely. He thinks David will be thrilled. You know, he gets to participate in the mother of all, you know, Israelite massacres. Won't this be great? It's kind of like success is ricocheted back on David's head. You know, his sin is finding him out. You know, what can he say? Uh, well, I, I'm probably be sick that day, you know. I mean, he <laughs> pretty much needs to look eager, right? Because, I mean, he's really got to keep up the charade. I mean, he's been trying really hard to make sure nobody finds out that he's not really doing what he says he's doing. And so if he acts like he's not enthusiastic or if he begs off, it's like, why wouldn't he want this? So, I mean, this is really kind of an awkward position. Uh, I'm not exactly sure what David meant. Uh, when he said, uh, very well you shall know what your servant can do. I mean, it's almost like saying, well, you'll see what a great warrior I am. You'll see how, but, but it's kind of an ambiguous statement. I, I, I don't know what David was really thinking, but Achish is so enthusiastic to get David's involvement. He said, I'll just make you my personal bodyguard, which I, I don't know. I, I mean, I'm guessing, you know, Achish is probably going to be pretty well surrounded by Philistine, you know, soldiers and things like that. Um uh, so, I mean, if, if, if David could somehow maneuver himself right at the edge of the troops, maybe he could, you know, turn and join the Israelites, but probably not if he's Achish's personal bodyguard. So, can you imagine what David and his men must be thinking? They're really trapped, it looks to me. Them. And it's one of those things where when sin starts being successful, then it starts closing in on us. You know, um,. One one parent sin kind of leads to more and to more, and it's kind of like quicksand. You know, you just got got start going down, and you know, what are you going to do about it? It's going to be hard to get out of this one. And 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 I've I've often wondered. This is such an interesting part to me. I just wonder what is David. I I imagine David to be desperate. What can I do? What can I do? You know, what what are we going to say? How are we going to get out of this? I mean. I don't know. Do you think David would really fight against Israel? I, I, can't, I can't see that. I just really don't think he would, but, but I'm not sure what he does. I mean, you know, is he going to, to turn and try to fight the Philistines when he's right in the middle uh, of their armies? You know, That's gonna be suicidal, it looks to me like. I mean, I don't know. I, I've wondered, you know, what's going through David's mind? What's his strategy? What's his plan? How desperate was he? And the thing that's really cool, about how this is written is we from here go to a different story. It's it's kind of like we look we suddenly we you see movies where they do this. We kind of get you know in one thread of the story and kind of leave that hanging, and then you go in and you pull in another thread, and you're all you wondering what's happening with them, what's going to happen with them, how's that going to work. Well, we we are left to ponder with David you know what's gonna happen while we look at how all this Philistine offensive is affecting Saul and what he's going to do about that and only in chapter 29 are we going to come back and pull up this thread of the story and see what happens if David's able to get out of this one or not so the way this is written is really cool but it really leaves David and us in suspense oh no David didn't know this was going to happen as a result of his deceptiveness. Comments and questions? Kind of a good story, don't you think? All right, I appreciate your uh, interest in your thinking about this. Um, do one more section. I want to try to take advantage of our time here. Uh, so would somebody read three to six.
4: Now Samuel was dead, and all Israel had in him and very him, in